You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Uh, you know how light is so important when you're driving at night. Uh, many, many years ago, I was coming back from Los Angeles on Highway 1, and I saw this car. I mean, it was, you know, it gets dark out there. Do you even know that? It gets really dark on the middle of Highway 1. And I, I saw this car out there, and uh, they, they had one little light, like a bike light, that they were holding out the window because their headlights had gone out. And I saw this thing coming my way. They drove the whole length of Highway 1 with one little, little, little light. This is before LED. It's a little this bulb, you know, with a low battery. And uh, driving, boy, I don't know how they did that. And if you've ever had the lights go out, you're trying to find something in the middle of the night, you, you get it. Well, there was a time where there was no light on the planet. And I did some research. This, is, this could be an entire message just on this one little piece, but I'll, I'll give it to you slowly. Uh, in, in Genesis 1-3, God said these words, let, let there be light, and, and what happened? By, by the way, there's, there's nobody on the planet to hear him. But, but the voice of God went out, and he commands the light of heaven to come down to earth. But scholars believe that the reason that he needed the light to come is the fact that Lucifer, the angel who is Satan, was thrown out from heaven and brought darkness to what God had created. And there are some scholars, I mean, you, you can have your opinion on this too, and everybody's allowed, it won't change your salvation or not, you know. But, but many people believe that, that when God created earth, there, there had to be light because God is light. And, but when Satan came, darkness appeared. And so God's word, let there be light, was the overrule of the rule of Satan on our planet. That God's rule would be greater than his rule. That the prince of darkness would not be greater than the prince of peace. That the prince of darkness would not be greater than the, the, the prince of light and the one who is our Lord. See, I don't, I don't know about what Christmas brings to you, but for some of us, it brings a complication. Uh, last week, if you were here, boy, Scott did a masterful job and reminding us of the names of God and how we can go to God for everything we need, our provision, our healing, our our, our strength. I'm so proud of him, how, how he brought the word and, and, and communicated this to you. And today I, I want to kind of, with that same spirit, hitchhike on that and simply say, in our world right now, things can be so complicated, especially at Christmas. Um, I don't know if any of you grew up in a time or are in a time where um, maybe divorce has fractured the family. So it's Christmas Eve at one house, it's Christmas Eve at another, or it's every other Christmas according to the, the mandate from the court or the mediator or the attorneys who bickered and argued about your stuff and custody laws and, you know. I still remember talking to a young uh, kid out in front of church one Sunday and I said, how's it going? He said, not too good. And I said, why? He says, I got two beds. I hate two beds. Two beds. He goes, yeah, one bed at dad's house, one bed at mom's house. And I sleep in two beds. Now, I grew up with my parents being together, and I had one bed. Uh, some of you will have people that will come to Christmas at your house. Some, some of you don't know what to do with, with and I'm just going to use a name. It doesn't apply to anybody. But some of you don't know what to do with Uncle Harry when he comes. 
Because for 30 years, Uncle Harry has been a problem in your family, and now he's going to come to your wonderful time where you're going to celebrate the birth of Christ, and you know he's going to mess it up. You know that. Now, don't raise your hand if you have an Uncle Harry in your house. Because it could be an Aunt Harriet, right? And she's going to come and bring her baggage and bring her stuff and her demands, and, and, and you're going to want to make a certain kind of meal, and, and they're, they're, she's not going to want you to make it, or he's not going to want you to make it. And, and here's what I know about Christmas. There are problems that we can't solve, there are people we can't control, and there are expectations that we can't meet. That's Christmas. There are problems in our world that we cannot solve. There are people that we can't control. By the way, there, some of you would say this, I'm a person I can't control. I can't control myself. Come on. And there are people who are trying to control you, and you are their problem. You just don't know that you are. There are expectations we can't meet. There's some of you who wish you could buy certain things for family members and friends and loved ones, but you can't because you don't, you don't want to go into debt for the next 30 years. And there are some of you, you're going to open that present or that box, and you've, you've put so much anticipation and it. it's going to be so great and you, you're going to open it and it's, it's going to be socks again. Come on. You know, you're going to want, you're going to want something really good. It's, it's not going to happen. And here's what I know about the holidays, as the world calls them. They, they, there may be momentary flashes of grace and glory and goodness and kindness and love, but they, but they always, excuse me for saying this, they always disappoint at some level. There's always something that's just not quite right. There's always something that doesn't go the way that we planned. See, Christmas is not the most wonderful time of year. You can write this down in your notes if you want to, because of what is happening. But Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year because of what happened. What happened. And we need to tie our hearts back to this incredible event of Christ. Not religion, not chasing after a list of things to do, not, not, not longing for something, but longing to know him more and more and more. See, when Jesus is the center of our life, there's hope, there's purpose, there's power. We don't have to live in fear. There is forgiveness and grace that flows, even for Uncle Harry and Aunt Harriet. It's the most wonderful time of the year, not because of what might happen, but because of who is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, the Gospels talk about Christmas, and uh, they, they say different things. For example, uh, many of you know, uh, you know in, in Matthew's Gospel, the birth of Jesus the Messiah, uh, the angel appeared to Joseph, and Joseph the son of David, do not be afraid, and, and she'll give birth to a son. You'll call him Jesus, and uh, he will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Yeah. And in Luke 2, we have the words that Luke writes. These are not Charlie Brown's words. These are Luke's words. <laughs> and there were shepherds living in their fields nearby, keeping their watch or flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good tidings, great news, great joy for all the people today in the town of David is born to you, the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. But John doesn't do any of this. Now, let me tell you about John real quick. John was the one who's called the beloved disciple. 
John was with Jesus when Jesus was doing miracles. John was with Jesus when Jesus was raising the dead. John was with Jesus when they fed the multitude with the little boy's lunch of fishies and loaves. And John is old. We just know he's old. And many times he has repeated story after story where people have said, John, tell us what it was like to be with Jesus. Tell us what it was like to sit at his feet. Tell us what it was, 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 was like to have breakfast with him after he rose again from the dead that day on the beach. John, tell us about Jesus. And John sits back and says, what will I write? How will I write it? See, this is John. He is the disciple of Jesus. He's the person that reduced God to one single word, and that word is love. Think of what he could have said about God. God is magnificent, you know, fire comes out of his eyes. No, no, no. Hey, I, just, I, I want you to know that God is love. 1 John 4.8, this is John, the same John we're talking about. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is, God is, God is love. Uh, this word love is defined not as a force that is forced upon you, but a force that can change your life when you welcome it. This word love is defined as, as a response. This word love is, is defined as, as, as the humility of Jesus, not one who came and bragged and said, look at me, I'm God in the flesh. Although he could have overpowered anyone that he wanted to at any time, when the guards came and wanted to arrest him, take him to the crucifixion, he said, we're, look, we're looking for Jesus who says he's, who says he's God. And, and Jesus said, I am. And the Bible says they fell like dead men. Just by the, the announcement of the truth, the, the declaration that I am God, and boom, they, they fell as dead men. And if Jesus wanted to literally have them die, he could have said, you're dead. But his love was so great and, and so gracious. Even while he's dying on the cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. The same John would be the John who would summarize the gospel in two little verses that you can use to bring anybody to Christ. Uh, Let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And most people are stuck on verse 17 because they think, Following God and following Jesus is all about being condemned. That Jesus somehow will cramp your style, that you won't be free and be able to do what you want to do. And actually, the reverse is true, that if you live apart from Christ, you're bound. You live in darkness. But if you come to Christ, the light comes and freedom is there for you. And you're no longer condemned for God so, so loved. And this is that same John who writes this way. Now, this is this old man who lost most of his family members. He was alive when Nero uh, sent General Vespasian. And he sent him to Galilee to round up all the Jewish people in the Jewish cities, to slaughter thousands and thousands of Jewish people and to send thousands and thousands of Jewish people into Roman slavery. John lived through that time. And whether John was there when it happened or he heard that it happened, he was alive when the temple of the Lord was destroyed. He was alive 
when people would come and sacrifice their blood sacrifices through the priest to God for the forgiveness of their sins. That had now stopped. His culture had been changed. And his friends that were very close to him, Peter, and then also Paul had been executed by Nero for their faith. And through all of that bloodshed, through all of that loss, through all that heartache, through all of the complications that went along with that, hear, hear this, John never lost his faith. Let me just, if, if, if I could put a bistro table right here and you and I could sit and have a cup of whatever it is you like, caramel macchiato, iced tea, water, I, I would ask you this, this question. Where have you lost faith? What, what is so powerful on this planet what person or persons are so powerful on this planet that they would have the ability to diminish your faith in God and to diminish your trust in him? And I, I thought about this before I would ask it of you. I, I, I thought about this of myself, and I won't answer my personal issues that I have. But I would just say it is easy for us to let life invade us in such a way that we forget the amazing story of Christmas. And some of you in this last year, some of you in the past few years, you have been through hell and high water. I, I know some of your stories. But John would write to you today and say, we have someone who is life, we have someone who is light. In John 20, verse 30, it said that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Why? Because John is the great synthesizer of all things. He's the great summary writer. God is love. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. I mean, that, that, that's who John is. So John just saying, hey, I didn't take the time to write everything that Jesus did in this book, just to give you a taste of what Jesus did. But in John 20, verse 31, he goes on to say this, but these things were written that you may believe that Jesus is who? The Messiah, the, and that by you may have life in his name. There's life that comes to us because we simply believe in him. It's amazing. I'm a sinner who needs a savior. I believe in the cross in the resurrection of Jesus, and I'm saved. I mean, I'm transformed because I believe. And by the way, if you really study the Bible, believing is faith. And faith is called a gift, the gift of faith. I didn't have enough faith to fully believe in him, but, but when, I, when I cracked my heart open just a little bit and started to believe, whew, faith came. The gift of faith came to help me believe. What did I do to get saved? I I believed. People go, yeah, I, I really believe. No, no, listen, when you start, you, you're still a skeptic. You believe a little bit, and all of a sudden, the gift of faith comes, and the Holy Spirit comes, and the light of Jesus comes, and illuminates who he is to you. And all of a sudden, you go, whoa. And now, someone, someone's going to go, oh, I can't believe he said that in church. Get ready now. And we have an experience Oh, man, the theologian, he said experience. It's all about theology. Yeah, okay, good, it's all about theology. 
But something we experience, it's the touch of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the lifting of our condemnation off of us. We, we feel a change. There is an experience. Our position is now we are saved. Experientially, we're starting to grow into it. And things happen to us that are different. And all of a sudden, our prayers are different. Our belief is different. Why? Why? Because Paul said it. There is life in his name. And John says, the reason I'm writing to you and leaving this with you is that many will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing in this, and you can write this down, number one, that there is life that is found in his name. They already had physical life. Their hearts were already beating. They had vital signs. But in John 14, the same writer would write about his experience. He heard Jesus say this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Some of you may know um, John Piper, preacher, author. In his devotion called Christmas and the Cause of Truth, he writes these words. You can read every fairy tale that's ever been written. Every mystery thriller, every ghost story. And you will never find anything so shocking, so strange, so weird, so spellbinding as the story of the incarnation of the Son of God. How dead we are, how callous and unfeeling to your glory and your story, O oh God. How often have I had to repent and say, God, I'm sorry that the stories men have made up stir my emotions and my awe and wonder and admiration and joy more than your own true story. Perhaps the galactic movie thrillers of our day can, can do at least this good for us. They can humble us and bring us to repentance by showing us that we really are capable of some of the wonder and the awe and the amazement that we so seldom feel when we contemplate the eternal God and the cosmic glory of Christ and a real living contact between us and God through Jesus of Nazareth. When Jesus said, I came into this world to be a witness of the truth, to be the light of the world, a light you find no place else. I came to be your savior, your servant, and your king. He said something as crazy and weird and strange and eerie as any statement in science fiction that you have ever read. Oh, how I pray for the breaking forth of the Spirit of God upon me and upon you, for the Holy Spirit to break into my experience in a frightening way, to wake me up to the unimaginable reality of God of Emmanuel, God with us. And one of these days, lightning is going to fill the sky from the rising of the sun to its setting, and there's going to appear in the clouds the Son of Man with his mighty angels in flaming fire, and we will see him clearly. And whether from terror or sheer excitement, we will tremble and we will wonder how we ever live so long with such a domesticated, harmless Christ. These things are written the whole Bible is written that we might believe, that we might be stunned and awakened to the wonder that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came into our world. And in spite of what John had seen and felt and heard, he comes to the end of his life with the destruction of just about everything that matters to him. And John says, 
I still believe. And he urges us to believe. John 20, 31 again. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Oh, that this story would move us again and again and again, that we would welcome the Christ child, the adult Christ, the Savior Christ, the risen Christ into our hearts. And John... When Jesus is dying on the cross, Jesus says to this John in verse 26 and 27 of John 19, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, that would be John, he said to her, woman, here's your son, and the disciple, here's your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into where? Oh, oh, his house, his house. Could you imagine the stories? Mary, tell me what it was like when the Holy Spirit overshadowed you. Tell me what it was like. I mean, I got to see your son. I got to watch him do miracles. I heard him teach and the crowds came and people mocked him and the religious leaders tried to trap him. And but what was it like when he kicked in your womb, Mary? Maybe he sang that old song, Mary, did you know? <laughs> Yeah, she knew. She knew. Every time I hear that old song, I go, yeah, she knew. Mary, she did know. She knew. Mary, what was it like when you were in the manger and people were peeking in? You'd just given birth. Mary, what, what did Jesus tell you? And they had this exchange. And John is there with him. And now John is there with with Mary. And here's what John says about Christmas. John 1.4. And in him was life. And that life was, was the light of mankind. Number two, just write this down. Light is in his life. It's not manufactured. It's not the light you buy at Home Depot or put on your house. So knock yourself out. It's not candles as great as they are. There's a light that's still available for people who will believe in Jesus Christ. John doesn't start his gospel with anything about Egypt or Herod or Bethlehem or shepherds in their field. John says Jesus was born at a time when it was extremely dark, but he is the light of the world. In complicated times, in dark times, in uncertainty in the world, we're reminded this season of what we can't get or what we can't give or what will never happen. Or Uncle Harry. (laughs) That there's something deep in our souls that's the light of the world in Jesus Christ. John 3.19, again, this writer would say, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, Christmas. But people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Don't respond, but I know that you know people who love darkness more than they love light. They love negativity more than positivity. They love to stir it up. They love to cause problems. They love to be an issue. And there's something about them. And you can't always put your finger on why it is that there's, there's this abrasiveness about them. You, you, you don't know what it is, but I'll tell you what it is. 
They love darkness more than they love the light. And there are people out there, sad to say, whose deeds are evil. And they can masquerade like light. I mean, you can have the the nicest display of Christmas lights on the outside of your house and have the most depression and argumentative spirits that live inside the house. There could be no peace inside the dwelling, even if they have a blow-up thing that says peace on earth in front of their house. This is not... This is, this is not about an external thing. This is, this is internal, that, that you love God and you love His, His, His light and, and, you love, and you love the truth more than you love the lies and you love light more than you love darkness. 1 John 5, 12 says, whoever has the Son, come on, what does it say? Has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. We have the haves and the have-nots. It has nothing to do with economy. It has everything to do with salvation. We have the saints and the ain'ts. Come on. Saints and ain'ts. Isn't that dumb? That's dumb. Yeah. But I'll make sure next service gets it, okay? When Jesus showed up, the Jewish people thought he was there to restore their kingdom. That he was going to help their government. That he was going to make Dow and Jones both go up. Sorry. (laughs) And he was going to fortify their military. And Jesus didn't just come for the Jews. You know, Paul even says in, in, in his writing in Romans that he came first to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. He came through the Jews. We understand that. Jesus was a Jew. But he didn't just come for Jewish people, he came for all mankind. He came for more than Israel. He came more for more than the United States or Canada. I put that in there for you, Keith. He came more than Canada. He came more than South America. He came for all mankind from the first day that Adam was born to the last person on the planet. He died for all of us. He brought light and he brought life. And when he rose again from the dead, guess what they said? Acts 1.6, the Jews say. They gathered around him and asked, Lord, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? That's what this is all about, right? It's all about me and it's all about us. (laughs) They didn't get his message. He said, I came for the whole world. I I came for all of humanity. I, I came for everyone. And so Jesus responds in Acts 1 8, and he says, No, 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 you got it wrong. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem. And they, and they stop there. Yeah, Jerusalem, that's us. And Judea, no, not so much. <laughs> and Samaria, no, Jews and Samaritans don't get along. Remember? They're enemies. Yeah, I want you to go to people who are nothing like you. And I want you to tell them about me. You'll be my witnesses. What do witnesses do? They testify. By the way, this is a great season. I'm just going to encourage you. This is a great season to get your testimony polished up. Not the one you, where you say, well, you know, when I was in high school, I was in trouble and a little promiscuous. People don't care. Why well, she used drugs. People don't care. No, no. It was a day that I encountered Jesus Christ. And he turned my world upside down. He took me from where I was to where I needed to be he took me, took me from a place of darkness to a place of light, and I want to testify of him to the ends of the, the earth. And, oh, man, listen, the, the Jews were ticked. What do you mean this isn't about us? 
No, this is about the ends of the earth. This is about the ends of the earth. See, we are empowered to be witnesses of life and light for all mankind, even for people that you don't like or that are nothing like you. Yay! I believe the world needs an infusion of light. I think Santa Barbara County could use an infusion of light and love and grace. I saw some of it yesterday. I had to tell you my story. I thought to do with the sermon. Don't hold me against sermon time on this. But I, I, I went again to Operation Kid Christmas. It, it happens on the base. Uh, it's so moving. The uh, 31st Training Group, the ones who train all our missile launcher people and missile people, um, they bust in 200 children yesterday. And they all lined up where every child gets off a different bus and every child gets an airman to escort them into games and food and and fun. I saw some, some of our airmen from LFC out there. It was just a blast to see them. And, and LFC supports that every year because it's a really good thing. These are very, very low-income kids. And some of them come with, with, with um, one parent, maybe. Some of them uh, come with a, a leader. Salvation Army from Santa Maria was there, and they had some of their Salvation Army uniforms on. And, and it was just great to see these kids having fun. There was Lompo kids and San Inez kids and Orcutt kids and Santa Maria kids. And, and it was just so great to see the light of, of generosity. Um, and one airman walked over to me, who happens to go to our church, and said, Pastor B., this is kind of like what heaven's going to be like. I said, really? <laughs> no, it's going to be better than this, man. <laughs> They're having hot dogs for lunch. It's going to be better in heaven. We've got a banquet with the Lord. <laughs> there'll be no hot dogs in heaven. I'm sorry if I offended you. I don't think there'll be one hot dog. <laughs> no, there'll be prime rib maybe, but no hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he said, no, there's, there's, there's something about grace and blessing and generosity. And, and I leaned over to him and I said, hey, you know, tomorrow I'm talking about Jesus who is life and, and light. And when we encounter his presence, it could be like us getting off the bus and the Lord coming and escorting us into the holy place of God. And there won't be any Santa hats and elves out there like there was yesterday, but, but, but God, God embraces us and, and he takes us from where we are to where we, we need to be. Why? Because number three, his light cannot be overcome. This is the beauty of it. Oh, sure, John 1, 4, and then John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness, and come on, the darkness has not overcome it. Can't happen. In spite of all that's happened, the loss of life, the loss of his culture, the loss of pain, uh, the, the infusion of pain into his life, John says, listen, 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 the darkness can't overcome the light of Christ. We live in a world that's trying to be politically correct all the time. I mean, we pray at, you know, city council meetings, we can't say the name of Jesus. We just say, God, dear God, in your mighty name, it's non-sectarian. I'm, I'm cool with that. I, I still pray there. Other pastors have bowed out. They don't want to pray, but I'm, I'm happy to be there. I've been at different events at Vandenberg where you can't say Jesus' name. and you know. Now, if they don't brief me to not say his name, I just say his name, and then they come and say, don't do that next time. Well, sure, and then the next time they don't brief me, so I do it again. But anyway, <laughs> I've had people come brief me. Just don't say Jesus' name now, Pastor. I say, oh, okay. 
Yeah. In the name of the one who was born of the Virgin Mary. <laughs> you can kind of work it out, you know. Part of the Trinity, the Son, you know. Just don't say it's Jesus. You could, you know what I mean? The one who's the light of the world. Come on. But darkness has not overcome it. How many people have tried to get rid of Jesus, to eradicate his name, to eradicate Christianity? I mean, thousands of years ago, he walks this planet, and here we are in church today talking about him. And people say, well, you know, you got to be careful what you say, you know, and, and Christianity and martyrdom and hatred and... And the light of the world is still shining. Caesar could not put out the light. Nero could not pull out the light. Pilate could not put out the light. And no matter how much difficulty, depression, or discouragement we find ourselves in, and there are problems that we can't solve, and there are problems that you can't solve, and sometimes you are the problem that other people can't solve, Jesus is the life that overcomes all that is dead. Everything comes to this planet alive and dies. And everybody and everything that comes to Jesus comes there dead and is given life. It's the opposite. There is no death for those who are in Christ. And yet we allow ourselves to just be overwhelmed sometimes with the deadness and the decisions that other people make. And I know it's hurt, hurtful and painful and some people have done bad things to you and misunderstood you, but there's a Savior who's greater than any person or persons. Yeah, but my father was, get over it. You have a heavenly father. Go back and get Scott's message from last week. You have his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light of the world who overcomes the dark, overcomes it. And there's always hope in him, and there's always a reason to believe, and what makes Christmas, wonderful, is not what's happening, but what's already happened. Emmanuel, God is with us. The light has come. John 1, 4 and 5. Let me read it. We're going to pray. The team's going to come back. We're going to sing a song. And you're all going to go home infused with light and life. You know? And if you're seeking the Lord and you don't know the Lord, we, we welcome you. I had a lady uh, recently just write me a little, little simple note. She said, I want you to know I'm an atheist, but I feel welcomed at your church. I go, yes, people matter to God. See, people, all people. She goes, I, I don't believe there is a God. But if there is a God, she said, <laughs> I want him to know me. <laughs> huh? Most people that are atheists believe in a God who's nothing like who, who disbelieve in a God who's nothing like our God. So I'm going to do a series uh, sometime, probably at the end of January, called The God I Wish You Knew. And we can invite all our friends. We'll give them free donuts. And I simply said to her, you are so welcome here. And I hope she gets to hug some of you and feel some of your warmth. See, as we, we, we pray today, I, I want to pray that God's life would come to you, that his light would come to you, and that nothing of Christmas would be so complicated that you would forget the simplicity and the wonder and the amazement of the message that Jesus Christ 
came to earth because he wants to come to you. And you and you and you and, and be in your hearts and, and bring light to your darkness, your discouragement. So Lord, as we uh, get ready to sing a song and, and leave this place, I am so grateful for the promise and the truth of a guy named John who sat at your feet and who summarized you as life and light. He writes to us that darkness cannot overcome the light of Jesus, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against you, that you came to this earth to infuse us with your light and with your life and with your hope. Just as we finish this prayer, where, where have you been overcome by darkness? Where has the actions of other people created a dark spot in your heart? Where has somebody's hatred or hurt or evil, embrace of darkness, caused you not to allow the light of Jesus to shine bright in your soul? And, and, and where has the Christmas story become this another story? And as Piper writes, we're, we're more enamored with the stories of men and special effects on the screen than we are with the true story of Jesus coming to this earth. Lord, we welcome you. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, come into our hearts. Fill us with all that you are and all that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to... Sing a couple songs before we leave.
Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.